We are in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you would turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we have covered... So this is the chapter on faith. And I'm going to remind you again what the book of Hebrews is all about. The book of Hebrews is where the writer of Hebrews is, is writing to Jewish believers, believers who know Jesus Christ, but they're Jewish and they're surrounding, because remember, there were no Gentile believers yet. Gentile believers don't come uh, un, un, until, until uh, uh, later on that, that they're in, in the outskirts. But this is a time that, that uh, there's these Jewish believers that are living on the outskirts of Jerusalem and they're thinking about going back into Judaism because of the persecution that is coming upon them. What's going to happen now is that, is that this is just before the, the, uh, this is, this is just be, before the destruction of Jerusalem. So there are Gentile believers, but they're not in this area. They're in other areas. And they're thinking about going back into Jerusalem, which is going to mean their physical death. So when he talks about this is going to bring death on you, he means that your physical death. He says, you don't have the option of going back into Judaism. What you have to do is you have to come into faith. And you don't have this option. And he's encouraging them. And what he does is he goes through example after example in this chapter in particular of people from the Old Testament. So we know that these are Jews or else this wouldn't resonate with them. He's saying, remember Abraham. Well, how can I remember? I'm a Gentile. I don't know anything about it. But the Jews knew about Abraham. So this is what we're learning about. We're learning about Abraham here. We covered Abraham the last time I spoke, but we're going to cover more of his life. So let's pick it up in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to the place where he was to receive for an, which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and as innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And all these died in faith without receiving what was promised, but having seen them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own, And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, and that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them there to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So we're going to look now, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 13 and look a little bit about the the life of of, uh, Abraham. And what we covered last time is Abraham was traveling around this, this promised land, this land of Israel. <clears throat> wasn't yet called Israel because the man Israel uh, uh, wasn't yet even born. Uh, uh, but this, this, this uh, land of Canaan was actually called. And he's traveling around and God had promised him, I'm going to give you all this land. He was traveling with his nephew and both his flocks and his nephew's flocks got so abundant and so, so great that their shepherds were fighting with one another over the territory and over the, over the springs of water. So Abraham said, let's not have any argument. You choose which way you want to go and I'll go the other way. So Lot, remember, looks out over the, 
over the, the, the plains of Jericho, where it's extremely fertile, and he says, I think I'll go there. So the young guy chose the best place, and Abraham didn't stand in his way, didn't say, look, I'm the senior guy, I'll, I get the best place. He said, you go. Wherever you go, I'll go the other way, because I don't want there to be any fighting between us. So he yields, he yields to his nephew Lot. Right after he does this, so let's pick it up in, in Genesis chapter 13, that, that uh, uh, we'll pick it up in verse 11. So Lot chose for himself at the valley, the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus, they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinners against the Lord. So he chose this valley, this, the, Jordan, the, the Judean valley. So the mountains run off, these mountains of Jerusalem, the water runs off and goes into this valley. And if you go down to the Jericho Valley today, extremely fertile, even to this day. And that's where he chose. But now Sodom was down there. Sodom and Gomorrah, these, these towns that, that uh, uh, have all often been our, in our Proverbs. But, but uh, uh, these are wicked towns. Now in verse 14, now remember, now, now Abraham, Abram, what he's called at this point, has given everything. He says, you go your way. Now look at what God's promise. So in verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. So remember, Lot just took this territory, and God said to him, don't worry, it's yours. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of you, it is yours. So this idea that we have to protect all of our stuff, lest anybody get one nanometer of our territory... He, he's, he says, just don't, don't be so protective. I'll take care of your belongings. If you get a new car, you'll be worried about your car. Somebody's going to ding it. Somebody. If you release that to the Lord, say, Lord, this is your car. This is for your service. Then you can release it. Then it's up to Him. It's up to Him to protect things. It is a very good way to go. If you get a house, you use your house for the Lord's work. If you worry about, oh, you know, this house is going to get messed up if too many people are trampling through it. You release that to the Lord. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of the things that are yours when you release it to Him. Verse, verse uh, 16. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land throughout its length, breath, length and breath, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Here's Israel. So, they're standing up about here, and, and this is where Lot had looked down into the Jordan Valley, this very plush area of the Jordan Valley. And then, good. And then, then, the, then the Lord said, you know, walk all around this. So he must have walked around it because the Lord told him to. But then he settles over here in Hebron by the oaks of Mamre. Mamre was an Ammonite, a man. He had oaks on part of his territory. And Abram settled there in Hebron. Hebron is about 18 miles south of Jerusalem. And so that you can put it in perspective there. This is in Hebron is where, where, where Abraham is buried. In, in, in Hebron is, is where Sarah is buried. And many of the patriarchs are buried in Hebron. And you can see their gravesite to this day. 
And that is, that is a sacred gravesite for, for Christians, for Jews, and for Muslims. And you have entrances for, for, bo- for, for uh, all of them to, to see this. And there's separate entrances for the Israelis and for the Palestinians to go into to that site. But that's there to this day. Okay, so we're done with that. So he settles there by the Oaks of Mamre. So it's not his territory. He doesn't own anything. He's an alien in this land. God said, you're going to get this. Don't worry, you're going to get it. But you don't have title deed to this yet. In the sense that I haven't given you to this deed. I've already mapped it out for you, but it's not yours yet. So let's, let's turn to, to Genesis chapter 14. Now in Genesis chapter 14, there's going to be four kings that are going to band together and they're going to attack these cities of the south. Now these cities generally were small cities in those days. I've seen them. You can see the, the, the remains of those cities. They might be, the whole city might be smaller than this church compound that we're on, this, 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 this portion of the block that we're on, the whole city. And it's surrounded by walls and you got houses in there. So these were not large cities by, you know, compared, like it wasn't four and a half million people like Houston. Right, these are smaller cities, but there are four kings from the north that are going to come down and attack the cities of the south. Those cities, two of those cities are, are Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember, Abram's nephew Lot is living in those cities. Now it came about, this is Genesis chapter 14, in the days of Amrothel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king, king of Elasar, Cheldon-Lamor, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adam, and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All these came as allies to the valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea. So they came down, and remember, he's settled in this area, and so they came down into this valley. Here's the Salt Sea. They came down into that valley there to do the attack. So I'm going to have you skip on down. So they end up just just the, the four kings defeat the five that are in the south. It says in verse 11, Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Look at what Lot did. Lot said, I'll take the best. The best is for me. And Lot ends up in a city that gets attacked and ends up taken away as a slave. In verse 18, then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkol and brother of Honor, and these were allies with Abram. So you had Mamre who owned this oak area where, where, where Abram would live, and he also had two brothers, Eshkol and Anor, and they were allies with Abram. They weren't enemies at this point. They were, they were allies. Abram got along with the people in the land. They weren't inherently enemies. He got along with the people in that land. And they banded together with Abram in verse 14. Then Abram heard that his relatives had been taken captive. He let out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So Dan is way up, way up in the north. There's Dan, way up in the north. So they're going all the way from down there, all the way to up there. Now this is... 20 miles distance, so from there to there might be 80 miles, something like that. So they're going up 80 miles. So Abram's force, Abram's household, all his servants and all the people with him is 318 men. But he's got these allies of these three brothers that, that are Amorites. 
And uh, they go with him. And then it says in verse 15, he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and he defeated them and he pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So Damascus is, is way up here. So he pursued them for quite some way. And he brought them back, he brought back the goods and he also brought back his relative Lot and his possessions and also the women and the people. Now Abram is around 80 years old at this time. But, but, uh, uh, he was quite commanding and quite able. And, and he got them and so he brings them back. Now here's what I want to look at in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 14. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. So the king of Sodom says, look, you know, you, you saved us. You go ahead, take all our possessions, all the possessions you, you, you want. Just give me the people and, and we'll rebuild somehow. And here's what Abram says. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear, you would say, I've made Abram rich. I will take nothing except the young men, what the young men have eaten, and the share of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshgal, and Mamre. Let them take their share. So what he says is these three brothers, these three brothers, let them take it. But as for me, I'm not going to take anything of yours, lest you say you made Abram rich. There are things, remember, God has put before us Abram as an example in Hebrews. He says, look at the life of Abram. He uses Abram and he says, look at his life. Well, what was this characteristic of Abram? Abram didn't take things that the world might say are rightfully his. He yielded them again. Abram is again yielding them. I'll give you an example from my own life, not to show off in any way, but just to give you an example. So, if I'm going to be speaking about Jesus, so you might think I get a lot, I get paid a lot to stand up here on Sundays and to speak. Actually, I don't. So, and, and I get invited a lot of places to speak. If I'm speaking about chemistry at a university, you don't get paid anything. That's just sort of what you do. But if you're speaking it, you know, say you get invited to a company or to some big, big, uh, uh, endowed lectureship at a university or, then you get paid. You get an honorarium. And if I'm speaking about chemistry because that's, the way I live is through chemistry, then I take the money. But if I'm going to be mentioning the name of Jesus, I don't take the money. So I get invited a lot of places to speak about Jesus, to speak about science and faith and all of these issues. But I don't take money. You say, well, why not? They offer it to you. Because I don't want people to say to me, oh, you just speak about Jesus because you make money from it. Now, that's a personal choice. Abram made a personal choice. But he said, look, these three brothers here who came with me and risked their life, they can take whatever they want. And what I say is save the money for those who make their living by the gospel. Because the New Testament says there are people who make their living by the gospel, meaning that's all they do. They don't have, you know, this big posh salary from Rice University. They don't, they don't have access to that. And so this is something that I do. I give this to you as an example to say there are going to be things in your life that as believers, we are to yield, lest people get the wrong impression about us. The Bible says, free yourself from the appearance of evil. The King James puts it, the appearance of evil. And if you look at the Young's literal translation, it says the same thing, the appearance of evil. So there are things that we have to do to restrict ourselves from the appearance of evil. 
It's like the old lady was complaining, what, what's the world coming to? Somebody broke in my home and stole all of my embassy suites towels. And, and so I don't, I don't want towels from a hotel in my home lest people get the wrong idea. Hey, he stole the towel from the hotel. There are things that I, 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 we have to refrain from as believers lest people get the wrong impression about us. So I have chosen not to drink alcohol. You can drink all the alcohol you want. There is no restriction on believers against alcohol in the Bible. If you think that there is, good for you. Don't drink. But I don't see a restriction. (laughs) But I've chosen not to because of what it does to some believers. So I've chosen not to. So when, when I was about 20 years old, I made that choice not to. So I don't drink. There are things that you put upon your own life, but just as Abram didn't put it upon those three brothers, he says, let them take whatever they want. All I'll take is what my men have eaten. You know, you know, if they were eating it, eat, eating some of your food as they were walking back, that's all I'm taking. So when people fly me places to go and speak about Jesus, I say, all I want you to do is pay for my airline ticket. I don't, I don't need business class. Look, I, I, I got short legs. I'm not wide. <laughs> I don't, I don't drink. I don't eat between meals. Business class is a waste for me. It's an absolute waste on me. But I, I often get moved up to business class only because I fly so much. But it's a waste for me. And, and so I just, business class, I say pay, pay for, for, for a room for me, pay for the hotel, and that's it. Pay, pay for the flight. And so, so Abram says, just whatever the young men have eaten, that's all we're going to take. What, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what you need to do in your life. I'm just saying that upon yourself, you make restrictions, lest people get the wrong idea about you. Abram was concerned, lest people say, you made Abram rich. That this king of Sodom, this wicked city, made Abram rich. Abram said, I want nothing to do with that. I'm just going to take my, my nephew back. That's it. My nephew and his family. That's all I want. And whatever the men have eaten. All right, let, let's look, let, let's continue with Abram's life in, in, in chapter 15. After these things, verse 1, Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, now, remember, a vision is when you're awake. You have a vision. Sometimes it says the, the word of the Lord came in a dream. That means you're asleep. Vision is when you're awake. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Now, why do you think God would say to Abram, do not fear? Because he was afraid. If he wasn't afraid, God would say, do not fear. He's like, I'm not afraid. No, he was fearful. Here, this guy had just kicked the butt of four kings. And now he, something in his life, he's fearful. This happens to us. We go through these phases where we're all you know, doing well, and then within a moment, within the twinkling of an eye, this rush of fear, like, oh no, how am I going to do with this university? I mean, how am I going to do with school? How am I going to... And, and all of a sudden, just it, it, it starts spiraling in our head, like, oh, I'm not going to do well, and it's going to be like the end of my life, and my parents are going to be so embarrassed, and they've spent all this money, and all these things can come upon us in an instant. Does that ever happen to you, where you just, for no reason, you get fearful? You were fine the day before, and then all of a sudden you get fearful. God comes. He says, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. God is saying, I stand around you. Your reward's going to be very great. 
And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So, so Abram's in his 80s. So he's past the time of being able to normally have a child. His wife is in her mid-70s. She's long past the time. And he says, what are you going to give me? He says, because one born in my house. That means the oldest of his servant's children that were born in his home is going to become his heir. Abram said, what, what are you going to give me? He says, I got everything. I don't have a son. And, and Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Verse 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. So the only promise here is that someone's going to, that from your seed, Abram, the heir is going to come. And Abram believed God. But there was no promise at this point about Sarah. So we, we wonder why Sarah is going to do some of the things that, that, because she believed that through Abram was going to come the seed. But she didn't know, this didn't include herself. There was no promise about Sarah at this point. Verse 5, And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is why the author of the book of Hebrews is saying to the people around Jerusalem that are thinking about going back, he says, you have to have faith like Abraham, Abraham had, or Abraham as his name is going to be changed to, the father of many nations. You have to have faith like this. Abram believed God that after his normal time in life when he would be able to have children, through him was going to, have to, be, was going to come a child. He believed God. You want to see what my time looks like with the Lord. We are to demonstrate to one another, to, to encourage one another to walk with the Lord. I spent an entire quiet time in the morning one day, just on the first part of this verse 5. And the Lord took him outside and said, what does that look like? So they're in the tent, and the Lord took him outside. The Lord didn't say, go outside. It says the Lord took him outside. And you can look, you just push the button, you get the literal translation. It's the Lord took him outside. Now, the Lord didn't, it doesn't say the Lord carried him, but the Lord took him. When my grandchildren want me to see something, they run up and they grab me by my finger and they pull me. They take me somewhere to see something. What does it look like when God took Abram outside? It, it, it's almost like the joy of a grandchild. Come here, I want to show you something. You got to see this. You just got to see this. Abram said, look, you know, I'm in my 80s. I'm just relaxing in my tent. So the, the Lord took him. Took him outside. Look at the relationship here. The Lord took him outside. I couldn't get over this. Spent an entire morning just, the Lord took him outside. Lord, what does that look like? What does it look like? You know what that's called? It's called meditation on the scriptures. Just allowing the Lord to speak to you. That's all it is. It's allowing the Lord to speak to you. Lord, what does that look like? And the Lord probably had like a super clear night. <sighs> Blew away all the clouds. Look at that. And all of a sudden, you know, probably gave him like the picture from the Hubble telescope of just white with stars. And he said, um, 
Count the stars. Go ahead, count. Count them. If you're able to count them. <laughs> uh, Abram's like, huh? He says, count them. You ever tried counting the stars? Did I count that one yet? It's hard. You've got to make a photograph and circle them. That's how you count them. And now we have these, you know, imaging programs that just count them. But it's hard. It's hard to count them. He says, I want you to do that. And so when finally, when he, when he gets frustrated, he says, I can't do it. He said, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed God and it was reckoned to him in righteousness. Reckoned to him as righteousness. What makes righteousness? It is belief in God. Lord, I believe that your word is true. We are constantly compelled to run our own lives. And God says, yield it to me. Yield it to me and see what I will do. I just want to be my own man. Okay. And God will often endorse exactly what you want. Be your own man. See what the world is like. See what a taskmaster the world can be like. See what competitors you can face in the world. There's a lot of smart people out there to compete with. I am so glad I got God on my side. I have this amazing advantage over my peers. I really do. Because the Lord is on my side. I sit in these, in these chemistry meetings. I'm going to be going to an American Chemical Society meeting this week. I mean, there's going to be peers around me that are speaking about great work. And I'm just going to say, Lord, but I have you. You're going to make my work really shine. I have you. I have this amazing advantage. If we will yield our lives to the Lord, this is what he tells Abram. He says, let me, let me show you what I got for you. Let me show you this. He took him outside. What does it mean when it says, and the Lord said to him? What does that look like? What does it look like? Here he is in a vision, and the Lord's speaking to him. What does that look like? What does it look like for us today when the Lord speaks to us? And I tell you, he will primarily speak to you through, through the Scriptures. The Lord can speak to us through the Holy Spirit. The Lord can speak to us through the message. The Lord can speak to us through a word coming to us by, by, by somebody. We have to be a little bit careful about... Words coming to us, not that they don't, but we have to always guard them around the Word of God in the sense that put them in the context of the Word of God. Because I'll tell you, I can hear all sorts of the Lord said in my mind. Turn right and there will be a parking space. And I turn right, there's no parking space. So obviously I'm not very good at this. You know, my own mind spoke to me. Now that's not to say that God can't speak that way, and He does. I'm just saying we have to be careful and put it in the right context. And when we put it in the context of the Scriptures, it keeps us within the proper bounds, or else we can think all sorts of things that are really never going to happen. Then we get upset because it never happened. Well, you never had it for you. You know, don't tell Shireen this, but it's just between us. But before I met Shireen, you know, a lot of times I would meet nice Christian young women and I'd think, this is the one the Lord has for you. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, has that ever happened to anybody else? <laughs> and I am so glad he didn't have them for me. Because I got a much better one. A much better one. And, and, 
And I prayed a lot. I would pray all the time, Lord, bring to me the woman that you have for me. Bring, bring that to me. And the Lord was gracious. But you can hear all sorts of things. That's why you've got to guard this thing. And you, we need to learn to take it from my own life. And I, I can figure out what I, li- what I like. I, I don't need you to bring me a woman. I can find one myself. Well, good. Go ahead. Find one. But there's a whole lot that have trouble that never really work out. You say, well, I love the person. I've never known anybody to get married that didn't love the other person. I'm sure it happens, but I've never known anybody to say, I hate this person, but we're getting married. I've never known it. But half of all marriages end up in divorce, even in the church. So do you see why we want to be able to say, Lord, you take this. Lord, I'm not very good at this stuff. You take it. And then the Lord says, if you yield your life to me, come outside and look at what I have for you. Look at those stars. Go ahead, count them. That's what your blessings are going to be like. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord. You have been so good to us. Lord, I pray for these young people that they would yield their lives to you. Father, that they would follow the pattern of Abram and yield their lives to you and to know that you will take care of them, that you will sustain them. Father, I pray for these young people as they are on campus, that they would even refrain from the appearance of evil. Father, protect them, I pray. Let them walk in the works that you have for them. Let them get involved with good Christian groups on campus and good groups of friends. Father, protect their lives. They are so precious. Father, their parents have poured into their lives and would give anything to see their children do well. Father, I pray that you would take these precious lives, guard them and protect them, and bring them up in the proper way. Father, for those here who don't know you, who have no ability to call upon God and see the blessings poured out, Father, I pray that they would come to know Jesus and that that door would be opened and that relationship, that they would say this very day, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Save my soul and come into my life, I pray. Father, your mercies be upon these treasures, I pray. These precious lives, your mercies be upon them. In the name of Jesus, amen.